Express Radio Time. Your enthusiasm and passion on Star Trek will be added to our own. Resistance is futile. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Trekmate Podcast. Its continuing mission to entertain, enlighten, educate, and talk all things Trek. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Make it so. Prepare to attack all hands battle stations. Don't worry, we will get to the bottom of this. All right. Ask is a tall ship and a star to steer by. I don't want excuses, I want answers. Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone? How do you think that tells me about your character? Captain's log, stardate 3541.9. Program complete. Enter when ready. Hello and welcome to Trekmate. My name's Mark Stamper. And I was on my wake. My name's Paul Drinkwater. <laughs> how are you, Paul? How are you doing? Not too bad, mate. How are you? Yeah, I had a bit of a bit of a crappy week at work this week. If I'm if I'm being honest, uh, just just one of those weeks. You know how they go. You know how they yeah. go. So it's just just issues and oh, just shit like that, really. So I'm you know it's Thursday. I'm glad it's uh, very really? glad it's Friday tomorrow. So ne- nearly at the weekend. But uh, my bathroom's finished, which is cool. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's all all finally finished. All got finished off on Monday. So. We have a nice new shower and you know every, everything's all done and it looks really nice. So uh, quite quite pleased with that. A couple of weeks of disruption, um, but uh, yeah, really pleased with it. Really pleased with it. It's really good. Oh, fantastic! I'm glad that's all sorted. It's taken a little while, but yeah, it took a little while to get done, but uh, it's it's worth it in the end. Yeah, so I'm, you... I'm thinking about possibly get my kitchen done at some point, but I don't know if I can bring myself to put up with the disruption and parting with the money and sort of. Yeah, parting with the money is the is the big thing, isn't yeah. it? I had to part with a better part of five grand for my bathroom, so it's like, oh. yeah. See, that's the, do you know I had a company come in once to give me a quote for a kitchen at my old place, and I said to them, like, I've got, I, I could probably get, because it was all this cheap stuff. They're like, oh yeah, we can get you a, a bathroom done for five hundred, a kitchen done for five hundred pounds. So this young whack came round. It was her first day of doing the job. I was the first person she'd ever seen, and every five minutes she was phoning her manager up just to make she was doing it right. First thing I said to her when she walked through the door, I said, "Look, I'll be honest with you, the, the, the amount I can spend is 800 pounds. So that's the amount I can go through at the moment. I've only got British strap, 800 pounds. Okay, okay," she said. So, fucking four hours she was there, four fucking hours. It was yeah. a Thursday night, and she's gone. She's drawn all the pictures and she's done. It. I said, "Yeah, that looks nice. Yeah, well, I've chosen all the little cheap bits and stuff." And I said, "Okay." She goes, "Right, well, I'm just going to bring my." And she goes, "Right, I'm just speaking to my manager." She goes, "Oh." Mr. So-and-so, I've given Mr. Drinkwater his, I'm about to give him his quote, and I've done this, and I've done it. Am I all right to go? She goes, yes, okay, you can go ahead. She goes, right, well, with this together, and this together, and this together, we're looking at £20,000. How uh, does that sound? Uh, uh, and I told you when you walked in, I had a budget of £800. And she went, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. And while she was sitting there, a spider ran across the room, and she screamed and jumped up onto the couch. Uh, uh. Oh dear. Yeah, so I don't know if I want to go through all that again. And it's one of those things that I had my windows changed at my house about three months ago. Got all double glazing put through and everything. 
And because I phoned up a couple of places just to see, get quotes and everything, now all I do is through the post, I get things about fucking windows. So yeah, if I go to all kitchen, the time. I get a load of shit from kitchen people. Yeah, you will. That's the thing, isn't it? When you sign up for those things, so you're, you're on their mailing list forever, aren't you? So, yeah. How's the snow around uh, where you are at the moment? We started on that. Probably another reason why I'm still so bloody tired. It's been awful. Four inches we had, all in all, I think, or five inches. I'd say we probably had about four or five inches um, starting last Friday. It's a lot of it's gone now, so we've had a fair bit of rain and a bit of sleet, and it, mm. it's it's definitely going. So um, I'm I'm quite glad to see the back of it. I mean, although when it falls, everything looks pretty. It's a bit of a pain in the ass. I can't stand it. I can't because when it snows, I don't know if everybody knows. I manage a doctor, sir. So when it snows, I need to be at the surgery three, four hours before we open so I can clear the car park and the, the entrance to the surgery. Yeah, so make sure everything's safe. safe and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this is why I missed the podcast last week because uh, we didn't record on the Thursday, we recorded on the Friday because I couldn't do the Thursday because I'd been out clearing snow all day. And then on the Friday, it snowed constantly all yeah, day. It did so here as well, yeah. Yeah, I was up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Every 45 minutes, well, half an hour to 45 minutes, I was outside just clearing the paths again just so they were clear and regritting them and regritting them. And I got in... And I was just fucked. <laughs> he just shut down. I, I couldn't do anything about it. Do you know what the funny thing was? And I said to Wayne when I spent to you the other day, I I texted you to say, oh, is there any chance you can get on any earlier? And he said, well, I can do about quarter two. And I thought, yeah. oh, well, that'll do. And the next thing I know, it's one o'clock in the morning. Yes, and you got a te- I got a text from you at half one in the morning. You woke me up, you fucker. Sorry. <laughs> you woke me up at half one in the morning. Casey's like, who's that? It's like, it's Paul saying, oh, sorry. I missed the podcast. It's like, yeah, you did. So I, had, I had three missed calls, or three missed calls. I had one from you and a couple from other people, and a load of text messages. But I had dreamt that, and I think it was probably when the podcast was when I was meant to be recording. So I dreamt that I couldn't go into the podcast, and, oh. and and for some reason, but you all sent out like rescue parties, searching rescue parties, looking for me. <laughs> and then I woke up and I was like, "Wow, that was a weird dream. Why were they sending searching rescue parties?" But, oh, I missed the podcast. Yes, did. <laughs> I just looked that's, at the time and went, "Oh, Wayne's going to reprimand me on this." Well, so right. I'm in charge of the show now. So uh, yeah, you uh, no reprimand it, it is required. I think <laughs> that was fine. That was fine. We've all we've all done it. I've. I've sort of missed the beginning of podcast because I've got pissed and fell asleep. Have you fallen asleep halfway through one before? Um, no, well, I haven't. Fallen asleep, you lost. No, I mean, you think you just lost connection? Yeah, that's when I lost my internet. Yeah, that was. was we were recording at Daft Punk's morning. Yeah, we've all had that with the old internet problems, but never mind. So anyway, after that little catch up, I think it's time for the news. Now it's time for Star Trek news, brought to you. By TrekmateFamily.com TrekmateFamily.com Bringing you the latest Trek news as and when it happens. And it's that time again for all of our Star Trekky related news. Um, only one little bit, well a couple of little bits today, but uh, the main one is uh, the Star Trek Enterprise Season 1 is coming out on Blu-ray soon. Yes. It's currently on ready to pre-order in the UK. So anybody who likes Enterprise, you can see it in... And this was actually recorded in high definition anyway, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was all, already done in high def. So obviously the transition well, the Blu-ray to Blu-ray is, is crisp. Yeah, it's going to be nice and crisp. And it's going to be really easy to translate onto Blu-ray for them. Yeah. And 
on Sky Atlantic. So if you have Sky TV, Sky Atlantic is a it's a Sky exclusive channel, and they have been showing some Enterprise on there. I've seen a couple of episodes, and, and uh, uh, it looks really it looks nice in nice HD. I have to say. Yeah, yeah well, I haven't seen those yet. Um, I, but I might have to get these at some point. But it's been released on the first of April. That's no joke. <laughs> <laughs> and you can pre-order from Amazon now for £52.49 uh, if you're in the UK. And it's been released on the 26th of March 2013 in the US. And you can pre-order for $83.99. Yes, I'm a little bit torn about the Blu-rays, to be honest, because um, this comes out around about the same sort of time as I believe that Season 3 of TNG is coming out. So I've got a little bit of money uh in my amazon account at the moment yeah i've got a little bit of money saved up so i've got some amazon gift vouchers for christmas which are built up in there so i really would like this but i've I've just got to decide what i'm gonna what i'm gonna do with the money but there are some really nice extras on there and as you said it was filmed in hd anyway um so the transition to blu-ray is really easy but there are some really nice extra features on there so yeah, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with that. But it's great news, though. Great news, though, because we are getting... Um, lots of Trek on Blu-ray. Lots of Trek on Blu-ray. And there was a tweet from... I think it was from Mike Okuda, and someone had asked him on Twitter about DS9 and on Blu-ray. Because they seem and, to miss that one, don't they? Well, yeah, but he did say that CBS would love to do DS9 on Blu-ray, but it does depend on how the sales of other Blu-rays go. So... If we all buy lots of TNG and we all buy lots of Enterprise and Blu-ray and they think, ah, there's a market for this, we'll then, we will, then we will get DS9 on Blu-ray. Can you imagine all of those awesome space battles towards the end of oh, uh, the series yeah. in HD? That would look amazing. Especially going through both surround sound on a 38-inch widescreen TV. and It would look fantastic. So, um, and I could put it in a lot. I could, do the, I could turn the 3D on the telly just to get the depth of fill. Yeah. It would look it would look fantastic in HD. So uh, let's hope that happens. So then, uh, that's really exciting. I'm, uh, I'm looking yeah, forward. It, it, is, it's, it's, it is nice to get um, you know to get Enterprise on Blu-ray as well. So we're going to be spoilt for choice for all the Blu-rays we're going to have to buy. Yeah, well that's the thing though. Hopefully they'll do another Star Trek London this year, and I can pick the Blu-rays up down there on the, uh, from the Amazon stall and offer again. Yeah, hopefully they will do that again. So that, that would be really cool. They'll do that again. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so there's no other real interesting juicy bits of news out there uh, this week, but there's a couple of things I would like to promote. And, of course, in two weeks tomorrow, Paul, so we're recording this on the 24th of January, but two weeks tomorrow, where are we going? We are going to the Sci-Fi Ball. We are going to the Sci-Fi Ball in Bournemouth. I'm I'm, I'm really excited about that. It's going to be really good fun. We're having a nice little road trip down there, the five of us, so there's... There's me, there's you, there's Paul Finch, there's Adam Howes, and of course the lovely Emma Whitaker as well. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be having a little road trip down to Bournemouth. I'm obviously the captain because I'm driving. Indeed. So you're all going to have to fight amongst your ranks yourself. But obviously only the number one can sit in the passenger seat. Well, that's it. Well, I'm probably, I'm the next tallest, aren't I? So I should probably get the leg room in the front, so I might yeah. be number one. Yeah, and then um, we could have the engineer sitting in the, in the, the, the middle seat. And then, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe two security officers to the left and to the right. Yes, definitely. Definitely. That'd yeah. be really cool. So, yeah, obviously that's coming up in, in Bournemouth. And if you want to check out that event, you can go to uh, sfbevents.com. And we, we do have press passes for the event. So we're going to be blogging. And much like we were at Star Trek London, we're going to be posting photos and videos and yep. 
hopefully going to be getting some interviews with some of the, the stars who are in attendance there. So, of course, we have Armin Shimmerman, we have Max Grudenchik, and we do have the lovely Chase Masterson. Lita. Lita. Uh, yeah, that's what Mike and I were talking about last week. I, I reckon she probably will. I reckon she'll, yeah. she'll definitely remember you. She'll really look up and go, oh, God, it's him. Oh, it's God, it's <laughs> everywhere I go, this guy's here. Yeah. Stalking me, because you obviously, you, we did the video interview, and then you had the photo, and then you took the photo back to be signed. And, and then I met her in the VIP bit and brought her a drink. Yes, indeed. So, but that oh, photo you had taken with her was amazing. Yeah, it? I need to get that framed up on the wall. I've got the captain's ones up on the wall now, but I just need to get that one done. Yeah. I've got a couple I need to get framed up on the wall, actually. Yeah, I've got to get all of mine framed. They're all still in the uh, in the plastic cases. So I've just I've just got to find the right frames. I've just got to find yeah. everything that's perfect, I, 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 and then I'll get it done. Um, that that fitted the five captains really nicely. Mm. They're up. I just need to, I need to find something right for Chase. Yes, yes, indeed. That was a, that was a fantastic photo. She was sort of draped all over you, wasn't she? It was. Oh quite... yeah. Do you know I I thought it was just me she did that to. I felt right really. About five ten minutes. I was like, wow, yeah, look at this. And then I saw she'd done it to somebody else as well, and I thought, oh, you're passy. <laughs> <laughs> well never mind I'm sure I'm sure she'll remember so it'll be really fun to uh, to catch up with everyone and uh, yeah. you know to, to head on over to the event and do remember that yeah. this that, that this event is is not for profit it is a charity event so head on over to their website sfbevents.com it's all in aid of a teenage cancer charity uh, trust so you know, fantastic course yeah it's a brilliant course so you know even if you can't go to the event do head on over there and drop a little bit of money into their box because every little penny counts. And while we're talking about conventions, there is uh, an upcoming Star Trek convention which starts, I believe, on the 2nd of February and that's all the way down under in Sydney and that's Oztrek 9. And this is for all the boys in the wilderness, isn't it? Yeah, our boys in the wilderness. So uh, JD and Fez from our Wilderness podcast will be attending Oztrek 9 and a smegging good weekend. So this is a combination of a Star Trek and Red Dwarf event. Yeah. And at the event they have the Daxis, so they have the lovely Terry Fowle and the lovely Nicole De Boer. So JD's going to be coming in his pants. He's going to be absolutely. He's going to be like. It's going to be a jizzing frenzy, isn't it? <laughs> he's going to be walking around looking like a Mr. Whippy. I mean, I, I'd I'd love to meet the two of them as well because, well, let's face it, they're hot. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen any recent pictures of Terry Farrell, but I. Love to see how far her spots went. She's um, she's still does not bad. I'll have to say she's around about fifty. I, I want to say she's around about fifty now, which probably makes about sense. But yeah, I, 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 mean, I mean, let's face it, I still would. Yeah. And uh, Nicole De Boer as well. Yeah, I still would as well. But in addition to that, they have Danny Don Jules, so the cat from Red Dwarf. They have Craig Charles, Lister, of course, and Robert Llewellyn as Crichton. It would have been it would have been really nice if Chris Barry as Rimmer had turned up as well, yeah. but um, so far no. Um, but of, <laughs> course, of course, JD and Fez, you can check out our website. JD and Fez will be posting blogs and photos and all the usual stuff uh, on our website, so do check that out. Here. I'm starting on the second of February. That's going to be really exciting. That's going to be really cool. So you know, it does does really show how much of an international family we've um, we've got now with Trackmates. Yeah. We're covering conventions in London and Bournemouth and Sydney. It's, it's going to be fantastic. I know those guys are really, really excited. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to see what uh, what comes out of the event. Not going to That's yeah. going to be very interesting. It is going to be very interesting. And, of course, yes, as well, I think we're going to be doing quite a bit of podcasting from Bournemouth as well, aren't we? 
I've already yeah. got the idea. We we need to record. You need to borrow Wayne's little dictaphone thingy, and we need to record a uh, a trekmate on the go on the way down in the car. I think that'd be really that's cool. a good idea. But you know what happened last time I borrowed Wayne's dictaphone? I put it in my pocket, pressed record, got absolutely rat ass, and it recorded four hours of me getting pissed. Oh well, that's all right. That's not bad. <laughs> I do think we need to do as well. Remember how at Star Trek London? Are you taking your tripod this time? I will be. Yes. Yeah, take your tripod. And we will make sure that the camcorder is charged up, but we need to do a proper video brace for impact. Yes, because as, as I'm not sure if everybody is aware, brace for impact's been on hold for a little while. Yes, it has. Um, but uh, but what we will, I will be doing is every now and then there will be a special where the brace for impact will come out. Yeah. So this will be the first one this year. We will make sure that it's uh, that that the camcorder is properly charged up because last time we get the full full effect. Yeah, because we were too pissed and it ran out of battery and we're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, go. I think that would have been that would have. Been, I think that's really a good thing because I reckon that if it had carried on, it would have been just too epic for everybody. I think so. It would. I reckon. Blowing everybody's mind. I think so, but obviously this time, you, me, and Adam are sharing a bed. Oh, oh, not sharing a bed, but we're sharing a bedroom, I should say. It's going to be messy. It's going to be messy, but I think a, th- a three-way video brace for impact is... You know, we've, we always like to push the envelope, don't we? So three-way sounds lovely. <laughs> I think that's the next step, isn't it? To have that... Uh, that, that that'd be really awesome. And uh, as some of you may have heard uh, fairly recently, the uh, Star Trek writer Peter David, just after Christmas, had a stroke. And he is, uh, his medical insurance isn't going to cover all of his expenses. And uh, a lot of the Star Trek writers and comic writers, etc., out there have got together and uh, put together a little message for how you can help support Peter David. Um, it's not, it's not a charity case. It's uh, a case of, uh, you know, where you can go and buy some of his uh, products uh, that will, you know, donate the most money to him. So you're going to help Peter out, and you're you're going to get some really good entertainment in exchange as well. So uh, here's a message from uh, a good friend of the show, and that's J.K. Woodward, so I'll just play that now. Hi, I'm J.K. Woodward. And I'm Daryl Taylor. And we're with the podcast, J.K.'s Happy Hour. Uh, For those that haven't heard, uh, recently Peter David had uh, suffered a stroke, and he, well, he's on his way to recovery, and it's, it's looking good medically. Um, there is, there's a lot of things that insurance aren't going to cover in a, in a long recovery like this. Uh, so, uh, for those fans that want to help Peter out, um, he has suggested a way, and that's the best way to do that is with crazy8press.com. This is a, um, this is a, a publication company that, that he runs, that he owns, and all the, all the profits from this go directly to his recovery. Right, and you can go to, uh, Crazy 8 Press, uh, via Comic Mix, or you can go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble websites. It's, it's available digitally, and uh, you can get the Crazy Eight uh, press books, which are Pulling Up Stakes uh, Part One and Part Two, which is a nice little funny uh, action-packed uh, vampire story, um, which is told in Peter's special way. And you can also get uh, the pe- the Camelot Papers, uh, which is also uh, a nice little funny take on the. Uh, the Arthur, what do they call it? The uh... um, it, yeah, the, the the Camelot mythology. Um, right, and, right. And it, it's 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 very it's very heavy handedly comparable to uh, modern politics. So it's almost a, a modern political satire at the same time. Right. It's a very funny book. Definitely worth checking out. And you can also go uh, and get the the Hidden Earth 
uh, saga, which is uh, two books um, that are already published, which is Darkness of, of the Light and Height of the Depths, and a third one he's working on right now. So that'll be coming out. But you can get those two, uh, which is a mix of science fiction and, and mythology, and it's a fun little take on that. So you can get you can get all those digitally, but you can also get them print too. You can buy them print as well. Yeah, and and as we said before, all proceeds from this go uh, go directly to him. This is his own um, creator owned uh, site here. Um, also, uh, you know, understandably, we're all concerned about Peter and want to know how he's doing from day to day. Uh, and if you want to get updates on that, both Peter and his wife are um, are putting updates uh, daily at uh, peterdavid.net. And that's uh, that's the best place to go for information at this point. Right. And uh, he's, he's appreciative of all the well wishes. You can go to his website and see that um, we're all pulling for him and he is getting better. Um, and that's what's most important. But, you know, everybody... With healthcare the way it is, you, you need a little help. Exactly. So, so if you can uh, do that, and not you know, you're not just giving money away. You're actually buying something that's entertaining at the same time. Yeah, I think so. be, if you're a Peter David fan, you'll be happy with what you get because this is some great stuff he has here on uh, on Crazy Eight. Right. So, uh, for all that information, we hope we gave you everything. Anything else you need, you just look it up on his website. So. Help if you can. So there you go. Um, thank you for that message. And if you can help, go on over to any of those websites and uh, you know pick up some of Peter David's books. I've read a few of his books himself. I haven't read any of his comics. I have read some of his Star Trek books. And he is actually a really, really good writer. So you know you can help Dave, uh, Peter out with his uh, his medical expenses. And you get some ent- entertainment in exchange as well, which is uh, everyone's a winner, basically. So that's it for the news, so let's head on over here. Enterprise, Lieutenant Uhura here. Yes, and hailing frequencies are open. So we've had a little bit of feedback on our last episode in which uh, Michael Clark and I discussed Star Trek Voyager, and I asked for some feedback. And our first comment is from Mares, and she says, I really love this show. It was great to hear from Wayne, and the interview with Marina Sirtis was a brilliant surprise. She sounds like a wonderful person and a joy to meet. Oh, yeah, she, she was lovely. She yeah. looked lovely. Yeah, no, I really, I really did enjoy that interview. It was, uh, you know, she seemed very down-to-earth, and I'm quite jealous that Wayne actually got She sounds it. normal, which got me. Yeah, she sounds like a She was any of us talking. Yeah, exactly. It's, and Rene continues, Matt's music section is a real highlight too, which I now look forward to each week. Matt, I think you're doing a wonderful job. I think he is too as well, and we do have another music section coming up very shortly. I like the music section. It is, it's fantastic. It's, it's really fun to record, and uh, everyone enjoyed that. That was one of the most popular sections on the Podathon, which is why we yeah. uh, we finally got around to bringing in that section. And uh, Matt follows that up with... Uh, Thank you. I still feel nervous, but as, as I said to Mark and Scarp, I'll get into the swing of it the more I do it. I've got some great tracks lined up for the rest of the month. Well, I'm looking forward to those. I'm going to be recording a few of those with Matt um, next week. Marvellous. Yes, one from Arrest that says, that, P.S. I enjoyed your Voyager review very much. Also, I agree with you guys that both Data and the Doctor were sentient, and the Q were not gods. The last point was never in question for me, because Quinn even says so in Death Wish. I'm missing Wayne, and hopes he makes it back very soon. Well, she does raise some good points 
Quinn does mention in Death Wish that raises the exact point, and Wayne always always ignores this, where he <laughs> says, you know, we're not omnipotent. You know, I'm sure that you and your ship would seem equally advanced. It's no different for us. Yeah. The Q are not gods. The Q are extremely advanced aliens. That's all of they. That's all. That's it. That's all they are. For Data and the Doctor having sentience, that is a little bit more of a complex one to answer. But I, I, I believe that they do. Mm. I know Wayne disagrees with me, but we'll we'll never see eye to eye on that one. Either. So Paul Fitch <laughs> said, fantastic episode from Golden Balls and the Tea Lady. Which are you? Well, that is, <laughs> I'll finish his comment and then I'll follow it up. Okay. He says, love the Voyager chat is, is, as it was my first gateway into Star Trek. The interview was great and the music section is a fantastic addition to the show. So I followed it up with, so are my Golden Balls or the Tea Lady? Oh, yeah. Paul says, I'm the tea lady, and I said, I thought as much. I would have liked to have been Golden Balls, but considering where I work, and for people who don't know, I work for a tea company. I, I suspected I was the tea lady, but I just thought I would have checked. Oh, yeah, of course. It makes sense there. It does make sense, doesn't it? Mike's Golden Ball, sorry. Yes, Mike's Golden Ball. Good boy, Mike. <laughs> yes, indeed. And uh, from Jadzira's My Home Girl 0207, he says, I really love this show. Great work, guys. You really went through so many aspects of Voyager, both good and bad. It's hard to believe that the show is 18 years old. Oh, it's ready for a shag. Um, what's even more unbelievable, at least to me, is it's been 12 years since the finale. Yeah. I can remember exactly where I was when I saw the finale, so it's a little daunting. Wayne, that was a brilliant interview. Marina really is a lovely woman. I met her in Las Vegas, and she high-fived me when I told her that it wasn't her fault for crashing the Enterprise. <laughs> um, who was sitting right next to her the whole time? Data, who can take over the whole bloody ship if he wanted to and work at superhuman speeds. If Data couldn't save that ship, the ship was going down no matter who was at the helm. I, I do agree with that. It wasn't. She didn't crash the ship. It wasn't her fault. That ship was buggered anyway, wasn't it? So yeah, I was. I like I said. I I've said before. I wasn't always the biggest Troy fan. So a lot of episodes, I thought she was crap. Some I thought she was good. But I didn't blame her for crashing the ship. It wasn't her fault. Not no. by a long shot. And and I thought her uh, her bit of first contact when she got kissed was superb. Yeah, I did really enjoy that. No, she wasn't in it an awful lot, but I did really enjoy that. I did, I did think she played the drunk quite well. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm quite jealous of Wayne getting to meet her. Yeah, but then again, Rawls Davis was there as well. Yes, he was. Yes, and um, he he was there, and Wayne had a chat with him. It was funny, actually. I don't, Wiles probably not going to listen to this. And he was talking to Wayne, and he said, uh, he's talking about us. And he said, he couldn't remember my name. And he said, yeah, the tall, thin, grey one. I don't think he liked me. <laughs> well, at least he mentioned you. I didn't get a whisper. Yeah, you, uh, I don't think he liked me. So, no. No. I think it's because you actually answered back. Yeah, because I wasn't taking any shit. And he was very nice to Wayne, because the last time him and Wayne were standing next to each other, Wayne pushed him off a scaffold bank. Yes, and it almost killed him. Mm. Um, but no, I liked Ralph fine. He got a little bit in the way when we were doing the debates, but yeah. that was his role to sort of facilitate it um, a little bit. But uh, no, no, it, it was all fun. And I, I did send him a tweet, actually, just saying, uh, the tall, thin, grey one, a most logical description. I salute you, sir. And then he started following me on Twitter. So it's nice to be followed by Ralph because, you know, he's a nice guy. So uh, he's, he's going to be at the um, Sci-Fi Ball event, actually. Oh, brilliant. Are you taking your uniform? Yes, because... Have you actually looked at the Saturday night? No. Side digression here, folks. 
the the ball on the Saturday night is black tie or fancy dress. Now I don't have a dinner jacket. I've got both. You've got both. So it's black tie or fancy dress. Now I don't have a dinner jacket, but I do have a Starfleet uniform, so I will be taking my uniform. I wasn't going to because it is a much lower key event. Well, I don't know. I look quite dapper in black tie. I look quite dapper in black tie. I would mind uh, trying to to maybe you know finding my number one. Mm, possibly. So, ladies, if you're going to the ball, I'll be there. Yeah, Paul will be there. But no, obviously, I was thinking. Well, I've got a uniform, so I can I can use that. And our next comment is from uh, the Trek Knitter, also known as our friend Gail Gerard, and she says, "Wayne, Wayne, Wayne, Wayne," and again, Wayne. Data is not a toaster. He is, in fact, a sentient being. He thinks, he laughs, he loves, he cries. He shakes. He, he did that as well. She didn't actually mention that. He is aware of his own existence. Therefore, he he is sentient. Grr. Also, the husband thing, and I went out to dinner the other night, and I was telling him about the whole replicator business. We ended up having a debate over whether or not food replicators will be available in our lifetime, and whether or not a food replicator would not only solve the world's hunger problems, but the problems we're having with obesity. If I remember correctly, food replicator cannot only make whatever you want, or at least whatever it is programmed into it, but it can also make it in a healthy way, with just the right number of carbs, proteins, vitamins, etc. Oh. That'd be interesting. It would certainly be the end of the whole diet industry, that's for sure. Nobody would need special diets or diet pills or gastric bypasses to keep them from getting too fat anymore. People like Wayne and I... Who oh, I know, that's a bit harsh. What's that? Nobody would need special diet pill, special diets or diet pills or gastric bypasses to keep them from getting too fat anymore. People like Wayne. <laughs> People like Wayne... Well, let me finish. <laughs> but like Wayne and I, who are on diets, wouldn't have to worry about counting calories or carbs or any of that nonsense because the computer would be able to do it for us. We could have a mountain of chocolate, which I know Wayne has said in his particular di- is his particular dieting temptation, or an ocean of French onion dip and not get gain a pound because it would, wouldn't be full of fat and crap. Which makes me want to go, dear scientific people, know more about this shit than I do. Please hurry up. So I'd heard that the replicators, about the replicators too, sort of like a safety protocol like they have on the holodeck. Well, modern day healthy chocolate uh, tastes awful, but I'm uh, sure that they can sort this out by the 24th century. And Gail follows that up. And she is right, and I've forgotten about this episode where Deanna does ask the computer to make her her real chocolate sundae. And the computer asks for clarification when she when she gives it, and the computer says, uh, you know, a real chocolate sundae doesn't fall within appropriate nutritional guidelines. Oh. So that, that'd be interesting, you know, you could... Um, Either that, or when they go up to it and say, I'll have a Big Mac and chips, it'll go piss off your fat bastard. Yeah, you're not having that. Yeah, you must be having a laugh. Here's a nice garden salad. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. And they'll go for a run. <laughs> yeah, it would give you sin to hold, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. I just like the fact that Paul follows that one up with, uh, that That would be amazing, Paul, uh, Paul Finch goes, that would be amazing, get a massive burger with the calories of a carrot. Uh, Captain Proton says, uh, regarding economics and money, one of the principles of economics is scarcity, meaning that society has limited resources and cannot produce all the goods and services people want. While we can provide for the needs of people, we'll never be able to provide for the wants of all people. Yeah. Money is basically irrelevant, and its elimination is not a solution to scarcity. Money is just a medium of exchange, a common denominator for bartering, and its elimination does not address scarcity. Even unlimited energy from fusion power or things of that nature will still not solve the problem of scarcity. 
We still have to expend resources though, uh, through labour or ideas or willingness to take risk. These resources will always remain scarce and therefore there will always be an inequality amongst people and a desire to rate people according to their skills, some having more and, other, and others having less. Don't believe me, just check out how many pips are on people's collars. Huh. Yeah, because obviously we talked about money and the whole, you know, Wayne had sent it in his email and there was the, the concept of money and, yeah, the whole thing just, it still confuses me, to be honest. I think the world would fall apart if there wasn't money. Oh, I, I, people I, do jobs to get money. Uh, nobody in their right mind would go and scrub a toilet for nothing. You need to get machines to do that sort of thing. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we need to we need to sort that out, don't we? But um, Captain Proton does follow up with a, a little bit of feedback on the show. He says, "Glad you guys took the time to highlight Voyager. I think this, this series gets a lot of undeserved scorn and is often taken for granted. I've noticed that people who did not see Voyager in its original run and are hungry for more Trek are now finding Voyager often uh, often have a very different opinion than people who grew up with or experienced Trek during the 80s and 90s." Maybe it is the weaker version of Trek, but weak Trek beats the pants off just about anything else. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. I mean, I wouldn't say a lot of people criticise Voyager. I mean, I I really enjoyed it as a series. I wouldn't say it's weak Trek. To be honest, for me, if you're talking about weak Trek, it's probably got to be the original series. Going I'm, not, I, I'm not too good with the original series. It's taken me a long time to try and uh, work my way through it. Mm. It is uh, a bit of a slog. It is a little bit of a slog at times. But no, yeah. and, and no, I'll get there one day. I'll get yeah, there one day. You'll get, you'll get there one day and get it all finished. But uh, yeah. So thank you for the uh, feedback on our last show. And uh, that means it's time for this. And now it's time for the topic of the week on the Tripping Podcast. Yes, and it is time for our topic of the week. So, what are we talking about this week, Paul? We are talking about sex, baby. Let's talk about sex, baby. So, yeah. sex in track. Sex um, track. Track sex. We're going to try not to be too smutty about this, but obviously sex is, I mean, it's a fundamental part of every creature's existence, isn't it? Because it's the way in which you... Uh, Especially mine. Well, mine too. You know, <laughs> everyone everyone likes it, don't they? So, um, but it is the way in which a species would, uh, you know, reproduce itself. So, how many references do we have? To, you know, th- th- there are a number out there, aren't there, to, to sex in Star Trek? And w- one of the things that points out, one of the first things I always think about is uh, is Umoks. Ewoks. Umoks. Oh, oops, Umoks. I thought you said Ewoks. Ewoks. Star Wars. Blasphema. Umoks. <laughs> yes, Umoks. Umoks. That, that's which don't. I, I, I'm not. Well, I don't mind people. You know. Well, I don't, are you any good with ears? I'm not very good with feet. Um, I mean, ears are. I mean, ears are what they are, aren't they? I mean, they're they're things that stick on the side of your head so you can hear. I mean, yeah. Do people have ear fetishes? I think they probably do, some people. I mean, people have this foot fetish thing. It's not my thing. No, I, I really don't like feet. No. It's just something about, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I had a bad experience with somebody with smelly feet or what, but... It's not, it's not the most amazing of things, but you can understand it from the Ferengi because they are such a big part of their 
anatomy, aren't they? They have enormous ears. So you can sort of understand that they, you know, that they would be erogenous zones for them. So, but I mean, the whole thing of Umox comes in, was it in TNG or was it in Deep Space Nine? I think it was in TNG, wasn't it? And that was at the point later in the series when they decided that the Ferengi weren't going to be this big threat, but they were going to be these comedy characters that they uh, turned out to be in the end. Yeah, that that, that was just ridiculous. I mean, when they started coming in and it was like, oh yeah, the Ferengi are going to be this big big thing and they're going to have this and they're going to have that. And they had the whips and stuff. It was just like, shut up. But the whole Umox thing that, that you know that you could always subdue a Ferengi while just just rubbing his lobes and yeah, it, see, it was like an on-off switch though because you could rub the lobes gently and then they're like, oh yes, I'm yours, I'm yours, and all you have to do is just grab them and it's like somebody grabbing your nuts. Yeah, but they are like like I said, they were a really big part of their anatomy, so you can sort yeah, of understand really. they would be very sensitive, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, very big, uh, big. But I I don't understand because. You know, well, I don't know. It's not, I suppose you've got some women, haven't they? You can play with their nipples and it, that does it for them, even though they are so distant from, you know, the main place that, you know, what's it stuff happens. Uh, it's only one of the places, though, isn't it? Well, I don't know. You know, it just makes me laugh. It really... I mean, that, that, how, how, how are they attractive? I mean, yeah, you know, you look at a nice girl or, 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 or a guy looks at... Or a girl looks at a nice guy and go, oh, look at his bum or, or look at her boobs. Don't they look nice? And, or look at the hair and everything. Well, I'd never look at a Ferengi and go, cool, look at those ears. I wouldn't mind those ears. But it is down to, um, you know, the species and probably they probably see that as being attractive, having large ears or particular shape of ears. Just like they, they might look at a Ferengi, might look at someone's bum and go, oh, what's that relevant? That's not relevant at all because they just poo out of that. Where yeah. Whereas we might have that little bit of a fixation on it. Yeah, I, th- I think. Well, I think we're just so set in our ways, I suppose, aren't we? I mean, you know, you get these people who like to have sex with chickens and things, and um, yeah. well, I saw a video once; it wasn't very good. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people who said they've seen that movie, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people haven't. But um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I always think that video is a little bit um, a bit of an urban legend. Well, I, I don't know, I don't know. How did we come to shagging chickens? A, a random checkmate digression onto shagging yeah. chickens. But on from, the, on, on from the Ferengi, one of the other more interesting bits of, I guess you call it sexuality, in, in Star Trek was, was Ponfar. Yeah. Vulcans, because it's... Okay, every species needs to have the desire within them to reproduce, because that's how the species continues. But... The Vulcans took that to something we'd never seen before, and this was something that was introduced very early in TOS in in the episode of Mock Time. Um, but the Vulcans, they have a physical need to have sex every seven years, and it, it would appear to affect uh, males and and females. And if they don't, they die. Yeah, Dad. See, I I I just think that's quite funny. You know, well, I, Vulcan, I, I, I am all I am all this uh, higher state of being and everything. But if I don't have sex, I die. But that's that's a physical need. It's a gen- genetic thing. All animals have inbuilt into them that desire to reproduce because that's how we continue. Because we keep making more of us. That's yeah. what happens. But for them, it was a physical thing. 
um, they had this compulsion, and if they didn't didn't fulfil that need, it would kill them. So that that is it's evolutionary wise, it's quite a safe way to make sure that the species would survive. But here's the thing: if it affects men and women, Vulcan males and Vulcan females, do you think their ponfars would ever happen at the same time, or would they be a little bit out of sync? Just well, I reckon they've got to be out of sync. Yeah, because the thing is. You know, I, mean, I can't even record the wilderness with the fucking uh, DVD player sticking at the same bloody time. They're always a hair further ahead of me. Oh, always further ahead. But you're just thinking, okay, so you got the Vulcan male and the Vulcan female, and if their pond fars aren't in sync, so they might not have it. You know, have to have sex every seven years. They might have to have ah. it every three and a half years. But, but Matt, is think- there something <laughs> somewhere that once they have once they sort of don't don't they sort of physically link or something so they get themselves into sync telepathically they could do that's a possibility I, I, but then but then that that need is it's a physical need isn't it it's a, an absolute biological need and if they don't do it they will die that yeah. doesn't mean that they can't do it at other times just because they feel like a bit oh i don't know that that wouldn't uh, i don't think that would go down very well do you well is it logical well, exactly. I, I think it. I think it is. I think it is. I mean, how can it not be logical? If if you're hungry, you eat. If you're randy, you shag. That's logical. If you're thirsty, you drink. That's it. And exactly. you know, just like okay, we don't physically need to at the minute, but you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind. You know, I wouldn't mind a bit, love. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm quite open to the idea of um of, of all this sort of um. Well, I. Ladies are lovely. We like ladies, we do. I like ladies, yes. Uh, ladies are rather... But, but, but I always thought that was quite interesting because it is that physical need and if you don't do it, you can die. Uh, and obviously we saw that come up in quite a few episodes. Yeah, but I'm not being funny. If that was true for, like, us, it would be terrible because, I mean, we've got some really ugly people who never... Well, we, we wouldn't have any ugly people left in the world, would we? Yeah, no, so we've got some real geeky people and it's like, sorry, you've got no chance. Yeah, yeah, you might as well uh, kiss yourself goodbye now. <laughs> you're you're going to die because you ain't going to get any. <laughs> you're getting nothing, mate. Yeah. yeah. But moving on from those, okay, we move on to the planet of Ryser. Ooh, the sex planet. That's just a bloody um. That's 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 just a, a bloody strip club on but on a planet. It is it's just uh it's like the what's the name of that club the um. Pink Rhino, Peppermint Rhino. Peppermint Rhino. Yeah, you know it. You knew it off the top of my head without me even saying. Well, it was the only big one I could think of. Oh, uh, well, okay. <laughs> that makes me think you frequented one of these establishments. Oh, I went to a strip club just a couple of times. Have you? I've never been. No, I went there with a, on a stag do. No, I wouldn't imagine. I, very good. But I must say, I must say, in my defence, um, the first time I went to a strip club, I got absolutely ripped off. I didn't know what was going on. I'd had a drink. I was only about 18. And uh, I got fleeced royally. Yeah, I mean, all those places do that. Royally, I know. But the girl, the girl fleeced me. Yeah, she she was horrible. Well, you know, it was one of those things. I, I wasn't in there for very long, and uh, because I sort of went for a dance with her, and and she she took all my money. And, and then the worst thing was that after she left, this lovely little eighteen year old came out. And I was like, oh, what wish I'd been with you. Yeah, that's so, what they yes. do. I've I've never actually been in one of those places. I'm, um, I don't know if I'm practicing. I went in one. I'm a bit ashamed to say that, but no, I've never I've never actually been. In no, one. I don't I don't 
don't rate them that much. I don't like them. No. I don't think it's, you know, me getting on my moral high horse, but I just don't think it's right. wouldn't like it if my sister was doing it. No, no, definitely not. But it is one of those places, though. Obviously, it's it's alluded to a lot in, in Star Trek, isn't it? It's um, when people visit Rise and they've got the whole thing with the hog on, and it seems to have this whole, they sort of roughly skirt around the issue, don't they? Yeah, the, the whole thing on Wiser, but it does sound like a really nice place to uh, to visit. I'd love to visit there. I went there on uh, on Star Trek Online. They need to work on it. It wasn't. Uh, well, I suppose is is Star Trek Online a sort of kid friendly game? Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Which is probably the problem. Yeah, so Wiser is always one of those. Uh, it's always portrayed as that sort of sexual planet isn't it yeah but that that leads me on to we're talking about Ryzen and we did visit that a couple of times in uh, in DS9 and the hollow suites now hollow decks as we saw in TNG and Voyager they're always used as you know training simulations and a, a nice forest that you can walk around and you can yeah, play naked women uh, the hollow suites by the Ferengi were of course you could just basically go in there and have a shag Yes. Which, I mean, I, I think if we invented those things now, that would probably be the primary use of a holodeck, wouldn't it? It's like okay. I would, I wouldn't expect anything less. Well, it's like it's like the concept of um, you know when videos first started coming out in the early '80s. You know, one of the main sellers of people getting VHS tapes, etc., was porn. Yeah. Internet porn, DVDs porn. They they're always there spearheading the you know the, the use of technology and i think if we got a hell of holodeck now the, per- the first thing that someone would say was how can i have a shag in this thing yeah and that's exactly what the ferengi did didn't they that those things existed more or less purely for people to have sex in well it makes sense because you know people buy hookers and everything now nothing's going to change that dramatically in the future i don't think because everybody's going to like you know fiddling with themselves or other people and um and if, if it's a business thing as well you're going to be on with it like there's no tomorrow yeah yeah true kind of job done on that one yeah yeah i i i think you know i just feel sorry for the poor someone's got to clean the holodeck up afterwards <laughs> yeah so yeah. that was that was Ron, wasn't it he was the uh the cum cleaner cum bucket <laughs> <laughs> i know that Probably, yeah. yeah, not very nice job to clean up the holodeck, uh, clean up the holo suite after uh, you've had a, a visit from uh, from Morn or whoever. Oh my God, if Morn's got two stomachs, I bet he comes up a cow. <laughs> God, yeah, he's probably got like twelve balls or something, isn't he? <laughs> Klingon sex. Klingon sex. Oh my. Now God. that's just fucking weird. Now, I'd like to take you back to Star Trek Generations, where Soren headbutted one of the Juros sisters and she said, I hope for your sake you had just initiated a mating ritual. She, she does, she does. He came up and nutted me. My little chap would be probably red alert and hiding somewhere. Yeah, he would. He would shrivel up inside. And if you remember from, I think it's from Hide and Q, where Q makes a Klingon woman appear in front of Wolf and he gives her a right slap and they're knocking each other around, but they're all, you know, and, and I think Geordie says to him, is this your idea of sex? And he's like, this is sex. You know, and it, it, it's a pretty naff scene, but the Klingons, they like it rough, don't they? 
Yeah, oh god, yeah, they are the dominatrixes of the of, of the of the solar system. Yeah, and I, I do remember the episode, and I really like this episode. This is from season two, and that's a matter of honour. Can you remember the one where Riker goes onto the Klingon ship? Yes. Um, as serves as the first officer. officer. I yes. really like that episode. That was a good and, episode. And the women are looking at him, and uh, the men say, say to him, they're wondering how they would um, endure, and how you would endure. And he's like, Yeah, if what, they would. And he's like, "What endure what them?" And he and he just looks at them and says, "One or both." <laughs> <laughs> it is brilliant, and they all just erupt into laughter because I, I really like that episode because it does show the Klingons in a really different light. We're digressing yeah. slightly, but you can see that you know they're all there hysterically laughing, you know, and he, and he says to them, the, the the thought of them having a sense of humor, and it's so very different to Worf, who was always so very reserved and serious. But the Klingons really did have that real lust for life didn't they that's one of the things i like about them. that's what i always think about them a lust for life you know yeah. they're, they're, and lust after everything uh, uh, absolutely you know for blood wine and violence <laughs> you know and just like really going for it um, they can't shag it and they can't eat it they'll kill it exactly you can eat it kill it or shag it that's probably in fact you that's probably the klingon practical. that's probably yeah. the klingon motto isn't it yeah. eat it kill it or shag it yeah, so they could probably, you know, for a really good night, they could probably do all three. Uh, right. What order would you do it in? Well, what were the options? You got eat it, shag it, and kill it. So they'd probably do uh, shag uh, it, kill it, and then eat it. Yeah. Well, I don't know because it could be shag it, eat it, kill it. Because sometimes eating comes. Well, yeah, anyway. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to go with your option. Shag it, dep- it. it depends on it depends on depends on what you mean by eating, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. <laughs> Moving swiftly on from that. I'll have to give but, this one a poo rating. Yes. You would often see examples of that, the the way the Klingon sex was rough. When we saw on DS9 we saw Janzia and Wolf, who were of oh. course married. And they would turn they would turn up in uh, in sick bay and Doctor Bashir would have to sort of piece them together and it's like, Oh you've dislocated your shoulder, you've done how have you done this? And they're like, um, we were just, um, yeah. I fell on him. I fell on him. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I fell over. Yeah, Jadzia goes in there, ripped from her belly button down to her bloody whatsy. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, she could hold her own as well. So, uh, all, oh yeah, to her there. Yeah. Right. But when we're talking about sex, okay, there's a couple of characters that I can think of in Star Trek who are. Well, one springs to mind straight away. Sex mad fiends. Who's yours? Uh, well, if you're going to talk about Sex Mad Fiends and Star Trek, it's got to be Kurt. Kurt. I mean, I've seen all of the original series, but for fuck's sake, that guy had more testosterone in him than the whole of an American rugby team. Yeah, he, he seemed to get a lot of women, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. He, was, he, he was always a bit of a ladies' man. Every, every, nearly every bloody episode. He's the captain. He should be setting a good example, not whoring himself out. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I guess that's uh, the way it was... You know, at the time he was he was the captain. He was he was the man. You know, he was always going to be able to uh, knock it out. Yeah, knock it out, as you say. But <laughs> if I think about the number of episodes, there's probably only about five or six. I think it's probably one of those things that you think happened more often than it actually did. But the one character more than Kirk was Riker. Oh, he was a he was a real he was a real <laughs> dog, wasn't he? He was an absolute. Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. I mean, he he even shagged, or he was attempting to get off with. Can you remember the episode, The Outcast? 
um, where he goes down to the planet and those those aliens they they don't have a, a they don't have a sex they don't have a male or a female oh yeah and he was even trying to get off of one of those things i mean there was just no stopping that bloke he will he will stop at nothing no he's another randy little bastard so sex and star trek i mean it's goes well well sex and star trek i mean you can't knock it can you no but it's one of those things that i would love to do some of them we well we all know we all know about that paul and uh, as would i but it's one of those things that you don't think happens a lot in trek but when you look under the surface it's it's there but there's very lots of very subtle sort of references to it aren't they because you never actually see them writhing up and down on top of each other but no, you look at Enterprise, you've got to pole and the, the nipples and stuff and you've got data and tasha and and you've got the little subtle scenes where they just walk through the door and the door slides shut, you know, and it cuts off to another scene. What you don't know is as soon as those doors slide shut, they're on top of each other like bloody cattle in bloody... Yeah, that's, yeah, so, yeah so talking about Data and Tasha, of course, they did have sex, didn't they? Yes, he was apparently fully functional. He was yes. fully yes. functional, but she, of course she did want to deny it later. And I'm guessing it's... Well, I mean... I've had an experience like that before. Have you? Well, I'm guessing to I'm guessing to uh, to Tasha Data was just like a big vibrator. Mm. As I've said, I think I've said in a in a brochure or something, Data would be the perfect lover because it, yes, you could just make it bigger, make it smaller. You probably could make it vibrate as well. I mean, Christ, when it's not inside somebody, you could probably use it to make a cappuccino. <laughs> he probably could. Is is it like Quieten like that? It's just yeah, yeah. His attachments that he could. Uh, <laughs> He could whip up an omelette with it. <laughs> I think there is an episode in, in Red Dwarf where yeah. it says, uh, yeah, I can just attach this onto my groinal socket, but it, you know, I can whip up an omelette, but it is amazing how few people are prepared to eat them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, brilliant. That's a classic one, though. Anyway, so that's, that is uh, our topic of the week. That is uh, a little bit of sex in Star Trek. So now it's time for our music section. Let's go here. Yes, and it's time again for our music section, hosted uh, by none other than our friend and family member, Matt Warwick. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? Hi, Mark. Co-hosted, I think, is a better, better phrase. Well, you We're do co-hosting. Mo- you, you do you do most of the talking. You you do all the prep for this. So uh, no, I just sort of listen to the music and say, "Ooh, isn't that cool?" And then you, tr- oh, you okay. then you tell everyone all the all the really clever stuff. So right, okay. But so, what have you got lined up for us this week, then, Matt? Well, uh, I'd like to give a sh- bit of a shout out to Michael Clark. Uh, he suggested this this next piece. Um, okay. I put a thread on the forum before Christmas asking for some suggestions, and uh, Mike came up with this one. It's the main title theme from Star Trek V, okay. uh, called The Mountain. Yeah. Now we know Star Trek V, not a great movie, but the music's um, pretty good. It's good. They, it was Jerry Goldsmith's return to the Star Trek franchise. Yeah, the score so is pretty he, good. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the score is quite as good as the motion picture. Um, the main thing we're going to hear, um, he obviously made a few changes to it based on how it was in the motion picture. It's a bit punchier. Um, some parts of it I'm not sure about, like the strings are a bit too intense for my liking, maybe. Um, but you'll you'll see what you, uh, I mean when you when you hear it. Um, the main part of the music, however, though, after we hear the Star Trek goldsmith theme is a completely new composition that we hear when kirk is climbing the mountain it's quite uh serene yeah peaceful um it's goldsmith called it his friendship theme it's used a couple of times in the movie when we see kirk spock and mccoy together yeah so where they're camping and 
at the end of the movie where they're discussing the existence of God. Um, so you hear it a few times in the film, but the intro music is the, the best chance to hear it because it's it's longest and it's um, a clean version, if you like. Cool. So let's have a listen to that now. Yep, let's go for it. <laughs> Thank you. 
yeah, a great another great piece of music there. Now, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the few redeeming features of Star Trek V was the music, which yeah. was actually pretty. I think I'd agree. I, I think I probably did prefer the motion picture, but and it's not Jerry Goldsmith's best, but it's still great, still great. And I actually I do actually quite like the opening scenes of Star Trek V as much as I hate the rest of the movie. That opening scene with that music and he's climbing up the mountain. I think that's a really nice, a really nice bit. It just goes down a hill rather rapidly from there, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, Bones talking to himself always worries me a bit when I see that. But, uh, but yeah, it's a good, it's a good, it's a different pace to the to kind of music we've played over the last couple of weeks where they've been a bit more like action oriented. This is a bit more emotional, a bit more sedate. And, uh, but it fits the mood of that scene and it, it's a good, piece of music that he well it's a good thing that he wrote to convey the friendship between those three people mm. um they're, they're good friends they're, they're spending time with each other and it's very emotional moments in there and uh, yeah i really really enjoy it no capture i think it captures the mood very well it, extremely well okay then thank you for that matt so it's that time again isn't it after last Indeed. week's embarrassment where i just I had the episode and I had it there in the palm of my hand and just lost it. So let's see how I uh, do this week, shall we? Yeah, let's give it a go. Okay then, so this one, this one, this one. It's like a, almost like a chase scene, or something like that. You see where I'm going with that? That's what music. Yeah, yeah. an action type thing. Yeah, but not like a battle or anything like that. No, no, no. And um, there are a few little bits are very reminiscent of of, uh, Who Watches the Watchers. Just some little bits in there. did the same person who wrote the music for Who Watches the Watchers write this? <coughs> not, that, not, oh, not that that's a clue. Yes. No, it won't help you at all, yeah, but yes, it was the same person. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, it was Ron Jones again. Yeah. I was thinking Heart of Glory. From season... Uh, season one. Yeah. yeah. With the Klingons. Or something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for that. I'm really not sure about this one. I know I'll kick myself. Um... When I hear this, but I'm going to go for Heart of Glory. Okay, Mark says Heart of Glory. Let's see what the answer is. Intruder alert, deck 12. Another subspace reflection. Dimensional ship, sir. Go to red alert. Sound general quarters. (laughs) 
the high ground. Oh, the high ground, yeah. Interesting episode, that, because <coughs> it wasn't shown on the BBC. That's right, because of the IRA reference. There was an IRA attack um, about a week or two before, and they didn't actually show this episode on BBC Two, so it was years later before I actually saw this episode. Yeah, same here. It was the late 90s before I I ever saw it. Yeah, it was probably around about the same time for me, and for me it was like the the lost, you know, the mysterious uh, lost episode. In fact, it might not have been until I bought the TNG DVDs in uh, the early 2000s, actually, thinking about it. Yeah, I think I, I... I don't know where I'd say that. I think it was on, it was on Sky or something like that when I first saw it. It's like, oh wow, wow, I've never seen that one. You know, the the, the lost episode is, um, is yeah. as if for those of us who didn't know Sky and you know grew up watching TNG on on BBC Two, it was uh, it was a real treat. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's I haven't actually seen it that many times, so that might account for the fact that yet again I am useless. You're not useless, Mark. You just not frequently misquit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's 3-0 now then. Oh dear, that's not a good start to this, is it? But never mind, never mind. I um, I always en- enjoy this music section anyway, and it's, it's, it's always fun. I'm sort of building up the knowledge there, so uh, by the time we've gone through enough of these, I should have every episode uh, memorised. With a bit of luck. Yeah, hopefully. I've got about another... 30 of these clips to play anyway so oh, that, <laughs> still got plenty of chat chances to redeem yourself keep us going for another six months won't it so that's brilliant yeah that's brilliant okay well thanks thanks for that matt would you uh, like to uh, tell the listeners how they can uh, get hold of you yes you can uh, speak to me on twitter i'm at qb that's qbie and we've also now got an email address set up for this section so if you've got any suggestions for any future clips you'd like to hear uh, again, if you don't know the name of the clip exactly, just the episode or movie it was in and what scene it's played in. And if you just email music at trekmatefamily.com. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, do send on over your suggestions to Matt. Uh, we'd, uh, we'd really appreciate it. And that means it's time for this. Time for the Trek Off. Yes, and it is time again for the trek off. So this week, um, have you got any? I, I've got some random questions for you, Paul. Do you have, <coughs> do you have any sex-related questions for? Well, me? I've got some random oh, questions. That are Star Trek-related. I've got I've got one. You've got one. I've got one. It's very very loosely related to sex, but it's the only it's the only one I can find. It's the only one I can think of. Okay. So we'll see how it goes. The rest of them are just very very random ones this week. Okay. I want to try and throw you a little bit because we've had a bit of controversy after our over our last well week. after the last after the last one yeah I, I think we've uh, we, I think we're now on an even keel now so well yeah because uh, I screwed you over on the last one and you screwed me over on the one before so should we call it a draw call it a draw virtual handshake virtual handshake let's call it a draw so okay, okay Paul it's your choice this week since I screwed you <coughs> over last week I will ask the first question okay that's fine you can ask right. me the question your first question. Yes, sir. Which character in Star Trek was actually created to be a sex symbol? Ooh. You which, like it? Which character yeah. was created to be a sex symbol? <sighs> mm. You have to think out the box on this one. <laughs> you see what I did there? Out the box? 
but <laughs> I might have to think out of the box on that one. Who was this? Who, which character in Star Trek? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, oh, there were so many. Um, but there was one that was actually intentionally made or created to be a sex symbol. Mm, that's an interesting one. Mm. That is an interesting one. Is that the character who's created? Oh, no, okay. No. So is that saying they're purely a bit of eye candy, or were they a real character, a well-known character? They're a well-known character, mm. but they were actually created to be a sex symbol. Um. Okay, I'm... I think I'm going to go for a bit of a guess, but I'm going to go for Deanna Troy. Go with Deanna Troy. I think okay. so. Although there could be many, but I'm going to go for Deanna Troy. Okay. The Star Trek character, Mr. Spock, was meant to be a sex symbol to women. A yeah. new discovered letter from its creator suggests. Yeah, I, I, I did think of Spock, actually. I didn't yeah. think of that as Jim a, as a uh, said he deliberately gave the whole half Vulcan character a slight look of the devil. He thought it might be particularly provocative to women. Oh yes. Yeah. So I thought I'd throw in that curveball there. That's a bit of a curveball. Okay. I've got I've got a few easy questions for you. This is probably an easy one. I think you'll get this <laughs> very one. easy. Yeah. I haven't had a drink tonight, so <laughs> I am only on form with my brain. My brain goes at many miles an hour when I've had a drink. It does. So this is, I'm sure you'll get this one, but this is an easy one. Name the captain of the Enterprise C. The captain of what? The Enterprise C. Ah. Um, You've seen the episode. We've all seen the episode. Yeah. It's a very um, underrated ship, that one. We only see it in one episode. Yeah, don't they blow it up? And I would like her full name. Her full name. Her full name. Lovely. So we're on to what? a woman. Oh, bugger. I've just given you... <laughs> I would like the full name. <laughs> I've, given you, I've given you a slight clue. It's a woman. It's a woman. Even easier question then. Rachel Garrett. No, it's not. No, fuck. Stop. No, stop. Not final answer. Is that your final answer? Yeah, I'm sure it is. Narendra. Narendra. Or something, wouldn't it? Narendra. Narendra 3. Narendra 3. That was it. Right. Yeah, Rachel Garrett. Rachel Garrett? Yeah. Rachel Garrett is correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a fairly easy one. I was I was fairly yeah. I was, I've seen I was that, I, it's been a while since I did my next gen now and then I was, I was a little bit like Oh dear. Yeah, it's a fantastic episode there. So well done. Easy one there. So come on then. Question two for me. Right. It's a bit of a tricky one. well possibly not. Oh. Which actress turned down the role? Of seven of nine, four times. Oh blimey! Um, four times. Four times. One actress turned it down four times. Oh bloody hell! Yeah, that's a real back because it's not really track related. You're being really tough this week, Paul. Sorry, it's because uh, I haven't got my usual trivia cards with me, and I've had to look online. Oh, you've had to. Oh God! Star Trek Voyager's just starting. I can hear the theme tune. Or is it in the background, is it? I've left the telly on downstairs. Oh, okay. I've got a friend staying with me, so I'm upstairs. But you see, I think he's watching Star Trek Voyager. Oh, <laughs> nice. um, oh dear. Would you like a little clue? Yeah, I'd, I'd like a big clue, actually. Okay. This is an entirely Trek-related question. Okay. The answer does not go outside of the Trek world. 
Right, so it's a known Star Trek actress. Indeed. Who was offered the part. It's not going to be someone who was a well-established character. I wouldn't have thought, they wouldn't have asked like... Could be. It's not going to be Marina Sirtis. You wouldn't imagine Deanna Troy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, oh, shit. I really don't know this one. I'm tempted to say Michelle Forbes, who played Roe Laren. Yeah? Would you like the answer? No, I haven't quite given my answer yet. No? I'd like to say Michelle Forbes. I'm going to go for Michelle Forbes. I really don't know this one. No? Without you, looking it up. And you, I wouldn't even know how to... I wouldn't even know how to craft the Google query to look at <laughs> actually. So I'm going to go for Michelle Forbes, who was Ensign Mo. You're going to kick yourself. I probably am. Jerry Ryan turned down the role of Seven and Nine four times. She only accepted part after repeated lobbying by the executive producer, Jerry Taylor. You twat. <laughs> Absolute twat. <laughs> nice question, though, wasn't it? Ah, oh, you <laughs> wank. I said, I said you're going to kick yourself. You wank. <laughs> Honestly. Right, okay, so I'm your I'm two down and you're one up. So this is your second question, I think, isn't it? And I'm pretty sure my, my last question for you is quite easy, so Okay. This is a this is a tougher one. Name the Romulan defector who boarded the Enterprise D. Oh. Um I know this. It's oh no, it's not. It's not it's not Tomalock. It's not Tomalock. Is it Tomalock? Well, I'm not going to tell you that. No, I'll go on. <laughs> <laughs> Tomalock's come straight to my head. Mm. He was in the military. Or is he the one that was... I'm going to go with Tomalock. You're going to go with Tomalock? I can't think of anybody else. No. And he came straight into my head. I'm probably wrong. Yeah. You are wrong. But I know where you came from with Tomalock because he was in TNG on, on a number of occasions. No, yeah. it was Aladar Jarrock. I wouldn't have got that. Remember that episode, the defector, he comes on board? Vaguely, vaguely, vaguely. But, but I wouldn't have got that one, I don't think. Nah, that is a tough one. Yeah. But after my last question, I don't feel guilty. <laughs> How many have you got right so far? Um, None. None, right. And so, you've got one. I'm on one, you're on none. So, either you need to get this one wrong. Uh, this is my third question, isn't it? Yeah, this is my third question, so I need to get You need one. to get this wrong for me to win. Do I want to give this to you? This question, or do I want to choose a taller one? Because I've got um. Oh, I don't know. There's two to choose. Right. Oh. No, right. I'm going to do the one I was going to do anyway. Okay. Right. Which two Star Trek actors were actually married? In, in life, life to each other. That was uh, Siddig Elfadil and then our visitor. Bollocks. Bashir, Bashir and um, Kira, yeah, and Kira. They were married well, for I, a time. And when I, she I, when she was pregnant in Deep Space Nine, she was actually pregnant in real life. But they wrapped it into the story quite nicely, where she was carrying uh, the O'Brien's baby as the surrogate. Oh, that was a good idea. Yeah, nicely done. Nicely done. I bet they go when people get pregnant on those shows. Oh, for fuck's sake! Now I've got to write another story. Yeah, or or boot them out for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> okay then, I need this one to win. You. So I'm where one each, aren't we? One each. One each. Okay. Who was Riker's first captain? Um, that was on the ship that got stuck in the rock. 
I think. I'm pretty sure that was his first command. They went after it in their next generation, didn't they? Trying to cover it up. See, something's making me think Jellico, but I don't. Um, I don't think it was though. Riker's, Riker's first captain. Yeah. So that would have been well, no, not necessarily. But no, because he, he did. I'm sure he worked his way up on that though. It was the. Was it? Was it? Which was the name of the ship that got stuck in the rock? Was it the Pegasus? It was the Pegasus, yes. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily a clue. No, I was just thinking. No, it was the Pegasus, yeah. Then I really wanted to just know who the uh, what the ship was. Um, I don't know. If I get this wrong, have I lost? Um, it? It's a draw, I think. I got one, you got one, so it's a draw if you get this one. Yeah. I'm going to go with Jellico because it was the first one that came into my head. And I, all I can remember is, is this face that's really, really, re- remind, I'm sure it's Jellico. Is it Jellico? I'm not going to tell you. Well, you've got to. I asked my answer. Is that your final answer? Jell- yeah. You're wrong. Oh, I know where you come from with Jellico because he was the captain who came on during Chain of Command. His first captain was ad well, he was an admiral at that point, but was Eric Pressman. Ah, oh, well, that may if it, but if he was an admiral at that point, it was his first admiral. Well, he was his first captain. He was Captain Eric Pressman. It's the bald guy from Lost who played John Locke. I would have never, never got Captain Pressman. No, no. So I think I think we'll call it a draw. Okay. We'll Bugger. call it a draw. So, Paul, would you uh, like to sign us off? I will indeed. Thank you ever so much for listening to us all. Uh, everybody, we'll see you again soon, and that is Shrekmate. Bye! All hands on deck! Red alert! Bloopers approaching after the end music! You've been listening to the Trekmate Podcast. Would you like to get a hold of us? Visit trekmate.org.uk and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Make it so. Prepare to attack all hands battle stations. Don't worry, we will get to the bottom of this. is a tall ship and a star to steer by. I don't want excuses. I want answers. Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone? How do you think that tells me about your character? Captain's log, stardate 3541.9. Program complete. Enter when ready. Oh, Mark, I've just found a picture of Terry Farrell with her nipples. Have you? Oh, right, okay. We'll send that over on Skype then. I'll have a look. Um, that'll be awesome. I'm really looking I've sent you nipples. I'm just going... To, I'm just saving the nipples file. Oh, I don't think that one was the nipples, sorry, but the nipples are on their way. Oh, okay. Well, I've got one. I've got the TV guide one. Oh, hang on. I know what I need to do. I need to get it up for... Sorry. That's not the, that. That's the actress. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
I'll, I'll get it over to you momentarily, sir. Deeply guide one. Oh, well, that's nice, isn't it? That's... Schwing! They look really nice. Oh, yeah. I mean, you I, would, wouldn't you? Uh, what's it? Who, who lives in the Skype? I just drugged and dropped. Oh, there we go. This is the one. Yeah, unfortunately, she's not one of those that did like full frontal nudity. That's all I've got. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh the tits on that. I, I like big tits. I like big busts. Yeah. It's on Yahoo Answers. Somebody, oh, okay. A chap called Stuart. Two yeah. years ago, said, where can I buy a Jerry Ryan sex doll to have one personally made? And they put, wow, that sounds cool. Uh, try realdolls.com. And only put, oh, real dolls doesn't work. Sorry. Oh, okay. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Because um, uh, a little while ago, a few months ago, um, a, um, shall I call it, an um, erotic store opened here in Andover uh, oh. just before Christmas. What do they call it? Bendover. <laughs> <laughs> Bendover. Um, so uh, just before Christmas, I went in there and had a look. You know, thought, okay, all right. But we went in there, and I, I, you know, they had like uh, I was in there on my own. It had these like, massive vibrators and dildos. I mean, they had these fucking dildos. Honestly, one of these dildos was about about twelve inches long, and it was like as thick as my arm. I was like, fucking oh, yeah. hell! And they had like porn and everything. So I was looking around at all the things. Turned around the corner, and they had one of these. It's a sort of you pay about four five hundred quid for it. And it's it's not quite like a doll, but it's basically like a realistic fanny. sort of fanny and everything. Yeah, vibrating pussy. And it was like fucking hell. I walked around and it's it's like a part of a woman's body and it's got three holes and like you can stick your dick in it. I was like fucking hell. Yeah. I was a bit like so I walked out like didn't buy anything and then Chris went in and then picked what she wanted and bought some stuff. But. Um, <laughs> Bought, bought some bits. So. Uh... Did you hear that uh, Wayne's daughter grasped him up the other day? No. No. Apparently, uh, Leanne was in the kitchen and Amy was in there. And Amy pointed at the cupboard and said, chocolate. And she went, no, 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 the chocolate's in here. And she went, no, daddy chocolate. And pointed at the other cupboard to where the chocolate spread was. Oh, he stashed chocolate, has he? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. He's in trouble. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs>